turns out um, I heard I had an expert on this actual topic, the pressures of dentistry and where we fall as far as this urban legend that dentists are the most uh, likely profession to commit suicide. Turns out we're number three now behind mm. veterinarians and and uh, family physicians, which is crazy, right? But we are yeah, still, still not good. Still I mean, not good. Still top 10 is terrible. Times, yeah, still 2.5 times more likely than the average human to commit suicide being in our profession. Um, and if you know, I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but because we could talk about this for hours. But if you think about exactly what you were saying, like the micromillimeter precision that is expected from us to be considered adequate, even. So I'm here we are this on you, Mark, this one. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, you can blame me. You can blame Mark, yeah. look at your new hot studio, by the way. I need, I just need to throw some, uh, just, just, if you can't, if you're not looking at Mark, then that is your own fault because you need to see him in his studio with, yeah. with, it looks like a logo neon on the wall. Is that your initial the lighting? There, your makeup looks That's great, my bud. Initials. That's pretty sweet. What's that? Your makeup and lighting are impeccable. Thank you. I'm shiny. I need multiple a, camera angles. Look at that. Look at that. On the forehead. You are making Craig powder. feel bad. Well, it's not not hard to make me look feel bad when you look that good. <laughs> How are you guys? Doing good. Everything's good, bud. Everything's good. What is what is new in the world of very tall, very important men? Hmm. Well, you know, I'll let got... you go with that because he's important. I'm just tall. The uh, what is new? Let's see. In in the world of bulletproof. I would say that, uh, you know, we're just kind of, we're just kind of one step after the other, you know, it, it, it seems like we're making some impact with people really kind of getting our cadence right in terms of content production. We're launching our sixth summit, uh, Mark, kind of following in, uh, oh, kind of following your footsteps. Our mastermind is, is really fun. And uh, Craig and I get a lot of value from it and we feel like we are moving the needle for a lot of people. Again, we don't do it at this scale. You know, I know you have a lot bigger of a classes, but we kind of keep ours around 30. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it's good. I mean, we're kind of just prepping, getting new content for, for conferences. I know you got one coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. June 16th and 17th is our 10th annual, Jeez. Um, which is crazy. And y'all's are, y'all's are good, man. I got to tell you, Mark, I mean, I know I went there as a speaker many years ago, but like, there's so many conferences you go to that a Craig always talks about this a are just pamphlets for a bunch of bullshit and dentistry, like people, you know, selling their thing from stage or the energy is just kind of bad. And you had neither, yeah. uh, meaning your energy was really, your energy or your conferences is always good. And there's always good collaboration and lunchtime conversations are great. And you don't ever have kind of that like salesmanship, like you should do this, you know, follow my my thing. And uh, I really appreciated that always about your conferences, bud. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've learned just kind of by osmosis, I think from a lot of, people that I look up to, you guys included, that I think that the angle has to be, here's what's worked for me and here, here's what hasn't, not here's what you should do. Um, and I think that is subtle, but it resonates with people at a deeper level. Um, humility and the fact that, hey, look, this is probably not going to work for everybody, but here's what worked for me and here's where I crashed and burned and be explicit about how you crashed and burned. 
and um, how to potentially avoid that, how to, how to navigate around those, those obstacles and, you know, the gauntlet of practice ownership, I think is really important. How do you, how do you know? Okay. So like you have a piece of advice, for example, I'm asking this because I want to know the answer truly you, but you have, you probably teach and coach and your audiences at all different phases in their life cycle of being a dentist. So how do you hear your, your advice kind of with that context? That makes sense. It does. It does. And, uh, we ran into this very early on, right? When, when we, talk to people, there are people that are trying to get to their first, you know, 50,000 a month, Mm -hmm. um, in a brand new startup or acquisition. And then there's people that we have that have 17 practices and they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, crest maybe 8 million in EBITDA. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and everything in between, like literally everything in between. So what we were tasked at doing is trying to figure out what some of the the, the high points were and what some of the benchmarks were for each phase. So we have phases, phases zero through four. And when you're trying to get from phase zero to one, there's certain things that you're going to focus on. And from one to two, from two to three, from three to four. On top of that, what we superimpose on top of that is a belt classification. So the phases are based just on overhead and cash flow and categorization, PL, balance sheet, um, cash flow statements. Those are the phases superimposed on top of those is the belt classification, which is systemization, leadership, cultural, um, cultural strength. And we have assessments for all of that. So if you're trying to get from white, uh, uh, zero or from no belt to white belt, there's a certain handful of things that we want you to focus on, but not other things. For instance, if we are a phase zero trying to get to one or a no belt trying to get to white belt, we are not talking about marketing. We're not talking about a $25,000 implant course. And we're not talking about um, figuring out how to get new patients. We're figuring out where the holes are in the bucket, mm-hmm. where you are as far as systemization. How's the culture of your practice? How are you answering the damn telephone? Those are the things that we'd work at in that particular phase. And people often don't know where to start. So they're like, okay, so there's no money in the bank account. So I'm going to take my last $19,000 and then put an extra $6,000 on this credit card, go to this all on X training course. And that's going to save me. Um, so it's all just, the time. yeah. And there, like there's the, it, this going from phase two to phase three. Yeah. Yeah. Going from phase two to phase three, that's appropriate, but going from phase zero to phase one, it's not appropriate. So I don't know. That's long but somehow time. in dentistry, I believe we've been brainwashing. Craig, I'll let you jump in, but you know, it's obviously like, hey, well, practice isn't going so well. I'm not making much money. Maybe I should go to this all on X case. It's going to take a year and cost $50,000, right? Maybe that'll solve my cash flow problem. And it's like, wait a second, you forgot about the answering the phones, systems and protocols, the basic ass marketing, the ground, oops, excuse me, guys, the ground roots, uh, the ground, uh, Ground game. Transit, ground game. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah Craig, it's the you, default. You it's the default. I mean, it's like when a dentist is questioned inside of a consult, what do they, st- what do they do? They start speaking dental, you know, like, Hey doctor, I really need this. And like, well, yeah, your PDL is widened and you know, you got to listen to that and percussion positive and we got to, you know, inflammation around the apex. And I want to palpate it. And they, so we as dentists, when I think we get challenged, we just go more deep into our clinical comfort zone. So when your business is not optimized and it's 
running poorly, your culture sucks, what do you do? You take the $10,000 or $20,000 all on X. Totally to your point, Mark, wonderful piece of education to acquire just at the wrong time. So there's no timeline. People don't understand this. And they also, they also dentists also routinely think that if I could go to the five-minute implant course or how to place the five-minute implant, and I did four of those a day, I could actually keep myself afloat. And it's, uh, again, maybe a great course for you, but the wrong time because there's an over-obsession with clinical education and an undervalued um, interest in the business ops. And I think there's even a reticence for dentists to even want to admit that they're in business. Many of them are like, I'm not in business. I'm a dentist. And I think that failure to call it what it is, is also damaging and leading us down the wrong path. Yeah. Gosh, you are preaching to the choir. Amen, brother. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Tell me then in your mastermind groups, and I, I will tell you that, uh, um, 30 is not a small group. That's a, that's a, that's a big group of people. And yeah. I think 10, um, three large pizzas would feed a group of 10. That's like a great mastermind size. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of creativity and it takes a lot of planning infrastructure to be able to scale beyond even just 10. So, um, congratulations on that, mm -hmm. you guys. Thanks. And, uh, tell me what, you guys have done to plan and to create an infrastructure that works for, you know, personalized coaching that, that leads to a larger group. That's number one. And number two, what are some of the main kind of challenges that you're seeing in your group? So let me, let me jump in Pete for a second. So Please. when we started this, um, we, we made a lot of presumptions. So it was kind of trial by fire. We learned a lot. And what we learned is that we presume people actually understood what they wanted and so we hooked on to their desire of what they want to create. And we started backfilling in the tactical steps to achieve what they wanted. And then midway through the year, we realized, oh shit, this guy really, or this gal really does not understand fully what they want. What they really want is a lake house. And they were saying that in order to get the lake house, they need nine practices. And when they come visit Peter's or my practice and they see the infrastructure, like, ooh, I, I don't want any of that crap. I just want to make, you know, X number of dollars per year. We're like, well, geez, optimize one practice. So we kind of changed our protocol, you know, two, three years ago when Peter had his pathway. So he, he created the Bulletproof Pathway. And the step one is know thyself. And with a constant and consistent jar, uh, narrative in our field of you need to be dentist, the CEO, you need to have four and five and seven. This is what you should do. Um, there's so much pressure from the industry forcing these young um, dentists to not really think about what they want. And they just hook on to someone else's uh, value proposition. Like I'm going to go ahead and just do this. And what we're trying so, to do is break that. So the first step, and I know this is a long winded answer, but figure out what you, you, you want to create and, mm -hmm. you know, getting everything you want, not being fulfilled is the ultimate failure. And there's a lot of that in dentistry. You know, we have people in our mastermind that are also 7 million, 6 million in EBITDA. And I'm working with those people intimately. Like, are you happy? Well, I don't know yet, you know? So I think just figuring out what you want and really understanding it, it's based on your life and your preferences and what you want to create. And then we're all in. We'll help you with every single step of the way from retention through marketing and systems and culture, and then all the way through financial planning and financial freedom as well. 
and outside investments as well, like alternative investments and real estate and all that good stuff. Mark, as, as you probably know, Craig and I have different like superpowers. We've known each other. All three of us have known each other a long time. And that was a hard step backwards for me. To me, I'm always like this, here are the five steps, just do these three things. And so what Craig is saying is it was, it was likely a lot of my fault running to get like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Here's what I want to do. Okay. Here's, here's the 10 steps to get there. Right. And then it was just like, he's saying like people get down the road and they're like, wait, well, I just kind of adopted that cut and paste vision because I went to a conference and someone told me I needed three locations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess you can relate to this. One of the, one of the cape, you know, as we talk about KPIs, Mark, we make sure that we look at the master KPI and that's people's happiness at the end of the day, right? It's not just, you know, new patients and retention and net growth. It's, are you freaking happy? And if you're not, then let's go back and rework that pathway and create the vision that ultimately can leave you fulfilled. It was actually an interesting, sorry to interrupt, but it was an interesting couple distinct moments that this transition happened. I remember we were in a summit once and Peter and I were up on stage and someone says like, hey, this is what I need help with, you know, one, two, and three. And Peter is like, let me help you. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Peter, but I was like, this is one defining moment. I'm like, Peter, don't answer the question. This is live at a summit. I'm like, what is bothering you? What is going on? And a couple more questions. And we peeled back that onion, like, oh shit, this person just feels this. So people come, and I've been guilty of this as well. I'm sure we all have, where we actually self-diagnose and we diagnose ourselves incorrectly. We misdiagnose ourselves and we never go back and look at the diagnosis. And we spend a decade trying to fix something that was never really wrong in the first place. And I think there's a lot of FOMO, Instagram, and all this stuff doesn't help. And and people say like, you know, I want what you have, Craig. I want I want exactly what you have. I'm like, well, what do you like about it? Well, I want to make money that I'm not, when I'm not there. I want to I want to have this or that. And they come and visit, and they're like, holy shit! I don't 50 people in a box, and all these people, and you have to go say hi. I'm like, I love that. I'm an extrovert. I steal everybody's energy. But if you're an introvert and you want to build an operation with 50, 60 people in a box, it may not suit you. And I think if we can just focus on that in dentistry to unwind a bit of the narrative and let people choose their own adventure, and that's what Peter and I love about dentistry, it can be whatever you want. And if you're listening right now and you hate your business, you hate your practice, you can change it. You can modify it. There's so many outlets for you to to pivot and and grow it differently. So it's a beautiful profession and that allows us to pivot and grow and, and reinvent ourselves over and over again. That there's so much wisdom to that. Holy cow. You know, when you back things up and it, we are, so, we're problem solvers, right? That's kind of what you do as a physician is you're solving problems all day long. Um, and sometimes when you take that, that mindset home, that underlying subconscious mindset home, you have trouble with your personal relationships because you are getting to tactical before you're figuring out what the root cause of the problem is. So when we are coaching as coaches and we go straight to tactical, like, uh, like Peter's tendency, mm-hmm. um, and not getting to the root of the problem, uh, as Jake Conway would say, traveling upstream and tra- trying to figure out what the root cause of all of this business is, um, we find ourselves in trouble. I always now uh, with the infinite, infinite wisdom of having done this for 12 years and kind of digging deep behind the curtain of people's motivations and, and why they think they want certain things. Um, I, I view it as a holistic versus an allopathic relationship, right? So allopathic medicine is you have high blood pressure and you're going to get, you know, a water pill, or you have 
high cholesterol and you're going to get a cholesterol medication rather than saying, okay, let's just travel upstream, you know, 30 feet and figure out why it is that you have high blood pressure, why it is that you have an ulcer or high cholesterol or you're morbidly obese. What is really happening here and not treat the symptoms, but actually getting to the root cause and trying to um, impose your will there. So much wisdom to what you guys are talking about. You know, it's interesting, Mark, that you just said too, and, and it, it is a great analogy. It's a beautiful analogy. The traveling upstream to the root of the problem requires work for the person, yeah. the patient. So if we can think of our dentist that, that we take on, that's our patient. You know, the easiest thing is to take the water pill. The hard thing is to behavior change. So it is actually hard work to figure out what you really want. A very famous quote by uh, Richard Feynman is, you know, the first rule is never fool yourself, but remember you're the easiest person to fool. And that's changed lives of people that are 10 times smarter than the three of us combined. So if it can, if it, if we can fool ourselves, if it's so easy for us to fool ourselves, we have to understand that we don't sit long enough with the problem. We just jump to, this is what I need. I need two practices. I need to sell the whole goddamn thing. I can't handle anymore. You know, call up the DSL. I can't, I can't handle it. But in life, what we really need is micro corrections. Losing the 50 pounds does not mean you don't eat and you have to run 20 miles a day. It just means don't eat as much, go for a small walk. I mean, it's like these are micro movements that lead to major behavior changes. And the thing that I see most is unfortunately dentists do not want to sit and do the work because it's called visioneering and some bullshit word that, you know, but if you, if you could just rebrand as a game plan, like we all know that when we go on a one week vacation, we have a game plan. We're going to go out there. We're going to rent our ski, the snowboard. We're going to go out this day. We're going to do that. But people set out in the careers and not even have a game plan. Right. They just keep going over and over. And as you said, so beautifully that dentists have a very myopic perspective. Our successes and failures lie in a micro millimeter. You're a shitty dentist. I mean, I, I'm saying this in jest, but you could consider yourself a shitty dentist if you're off by half of a millimeter. And that's a really hard thing for us. And, and we don't allow and give ourselves the grace that we deserve. That's why we're leading the pack and suicide and depression, all this stuff, because our failure and success could be a micron, a couple of microns. And it's really, it's really troubling. And I do believe that the dentist perspective, the narrow-minded myopic perspective, the dentist does translate over into their other portions of the world. You can't be myopic in business. If you want to grow, you can. I mean, Papa John's Pizza, it's not as good as the first location when you had 100 of them or 500. So you have to be macro in business and in life. And micro always gets you upset, I think. Oh, man. That is, that is amazing. That was good I, I, love, I love this whole um, conversation. Turns out um, I heard I had an expert on this actual topic the pressures of dentistry and where we fall as far as this urban legend that dentists are the most uh, likely profession to commit suicide. Turns out we're number three now behind mm. veterinarians and, and uh, family physicians, which is crazy, right? But we are yeah, it's still, still not good. Still I mean, not good. Still top 10 is terrible. Times, yeah. Still 2.5 times more likely than the average human to commit suicide being in our profession. Um, and if you know, I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but because we, we could talk about this for hours. But if you think about exactly what you were saying, like the micromillimeter precision that is expected from us to be considered adequate, even right. And in addition to that, I truly believe that unless you've sat in the doctor's stool and had the pressure of two hundred ninety-two thousand dollars in student loans and a million dollars for the dental practice. 
and 16 people looking at you to be compassionate and to lead them effectively and to have, you know, the with uh, no training, by the way, with no training, as no business training. That's right. No No training, not even an hour of leadership training. None, none. And they'll give you a million bucks to buy one or start one, but they don't give you any background as far as what needs to happen to, to be an effective leader. So it is my contention that with all of these things that we are expected to be excellent at, and then come home after, you know, all of those pressures pushing on you all day long and be the perfect spouse, the perfect parent, the perfect soccer coach. Um, that is a lot to deal with. Yeah. So and I want to add two layers of sense to me that, that we feel this pressure and stress and, and that, you know, that, that anxiety levels and depression are so high in our profession. Add two layers to that too, not to compound it, but the industry telling you what you should do. You got all the dental supply companies that you should have this equipment. You should buy this. So you, it compounds the financial pressure. And the last thing is what Peter always loves to say is, uh, and then you have the dental community, which is a firing squad shaped in a circle. Your patient leaves for a second opinion and the average dentist will shit talk you and bury your colleague. And that that is, I mean, if you think about our clinical careers, think about those times that you got shit talk. I mean, have you, I have, have you, have you, Peter, have you been, yeah, or course. Mark? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like we literally try our best. You have a patient gagging. It's the 15, it's distal margin of 15 and it's jagged because the patient can't sit still. And 90% of our colleagues will say, that's terrible. This is terrible work. And it's so hurtful that we don't even have the support of our colleagues. That's why these podcasts are so great because they're open forums for grace and dialogue. If nothing else, if we don't ever help another dentist, just the fact that we're talking like this, and then the three of us who are, you know, supposedly high up in our careers or whatever, that this has happened to us, know that it, it's painful and that we've gone through it as well. And it's not cool. And we need to stop that immediately. Medical doctors will never do that or very rarely do that. And I think it's part, and I, and I, I know I'm on a tangent. I'll just put a bookend on this. When, de when doctors train, medical doctors train, it is the doctor and the patient versus the disease. When dentists train, it is me and your disease against the patient. Oh, you have TMJ? I'll fix it. I'll take it all away. Spend this money, I'll take it all away. That's complete bullshit. And if I so don't fix it or if it fails, yeah, I'll refund your money. Right, right. But like when you're yeah. when you're a medical patient, you, Mrs. Jones, you have cancer. It's a very virulent type of cancer. We're going to try our best, and I'm going to help you fight your right. disease. We assume the. But problem if it doesn't work, so that's just medicine. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's hard because when we build that's that the disease, bridge, yeah, yeah, exactly. and they don't brush their teeth, and our our crown fails. Like this only lasted two years. You haven't brushed your teeth in two years, and you eat Tic Tacs for breakfast. Like, that's not my fault. My job was to close the margin. The fact that you decayed under your margin, but the, and it's just, it's frustrating, but I'll, I'll end let's my tirade. Get, let's get, this is, let's you know, go I think that, that people, obviously it's a, it's a very important topic, but I think that, uh, I, I want to, we're done. To I got, I got excited. Mark praises me and it gets me like feeling good. He's very nice. Whenever you say something, it's like, that was brilliant. So you yeah. feel good. I, I like that, no, Mark. Don't don't touch into Craig's feelings, Mark. We'll yeah, be here don't all do day. it, Mark. Yeah, it's yeah. Scary We're out of time now. Uh, Mark, you <laughs> like I think we've illustrated. You obviously have the data and the and you've done this for you've coached practices. You've had multiple practices, so you you are you have a lot of data that's coming in front of you all the time. Like, mm -hmm. what are you seeing from an outlook in dentistry? Um, obviously you may need to combine some of that with the kind of the macroeconomic climate that we have, or you're seeing, or we're hearing, 
um, but also compounded with maybe trends that you're seeing from some of your clients or, or coaching. I know yeah, it's a pretty I, broad I thing. Pull. Like I should ask specifically, what you know, are you saying this? But I'm asking like, what is, what, how are you feeling? How, how are you and your clients feeling? How are you feeling about the outlooks? Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to pull on a few different strings here because numbers are just kind of um, intriguing and shocking a lot of times. And I think that few people understand how to, I guess, um, look at statistics in an objective way. So I will tell you this, some things that are irrefutable. 80% of dentists are physically and emotionally exhausted. Um, greater than 70% of dentists, not just people in the general public, in, of, of dentists um, claim to have or um, are believed to have some sort of an anxiety or depressive um, situation happening. Um, and greater than 50% of dentists wish that they would have selected a different profession, which is uh, breaks the my saddest. Heart. Um, so those are just some things that I'm going to toss out there. Um, what we're doing over here at DSN is we're, we're actually um, joining forces with a therapy group. So everybody that's inside DSN is going to have access to at least, you know, an hour of therapy a month at no extra cost. Um, that's all going to be virtual. It's a, uh, it's a virtual therapy group that uh, we're going to start integrating into dentistry because we honestly, I honestly think that this is an epidemic that we have to do something about. So that's, that's one thing. Greg serves as our in-house therapist, just so you know, Mark. So we have that, we have that too. <laughs> I, I, that's amazing. I wish we had one. I don't, we don't have one. I'm Greg. here for you anytime you want, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, no, okay. I meant, to, I meant Secondly, that sincerely. That came out as like a little, a bit of a jest, but this is, this is heartbreaking, but kudos to you for, uh, stepping into that role and giving right. yourself permission to do that. Second. I appreciate that. And this is a hard right turn. This is nothing, has nothing to do with the previous uh, statistics. And that is, I have it on good authority from a lot of different brokers, attorneys, um, transition specialists. Uh, the prognostication across the board is that we will be between 65 and 80% consolidated within the next eight years, which is crazy to me. Um, right now, we're currently percent consolidated with 60 to 85 to 80, 65 to 80% consolidated. So we'll call it 72. Yeah, we'll call it 70 in the next plus eight years in the next seven to eight years. Yes. So okay. where are we at now, Mark, approximately we're according to a little bit less than 30%. Holy smokes. That's so a the, big uptick. So the Delta 50% increase in eight years, hundred percent increase. Well, yeah, yes. Yes. 100 plus percent. So, yeah, go now take that with a grain of salt because these are prognostications and, you know, uh, but these are people that I trust that are throwing these, these uh, trends and uh, their um, predictions out there. Um, what to do with that? You know, there's a lot of different ways of looking at this. I know you guys are part of a coaching group. I know more than a handful of coaching groups that are started, starting to consolidate and create their own DSOs. So if it's an inevitable wave and the money is out there, maybe we join forces with our friends and do it the right way, potentially. Uh, that's that's one way to combat this potential. Yeah. Up. That, that, like that's that one, one way to, 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 to combat this potential wave that's, that's coming upon us. The next is, I mean, there's still going to be 25% that are going to be independent. They're going to be the late adopters and they're going to be the people that um, are digging their heels in and say, I'm going to remain independent. And there's still more benefits to going independent than there is to consolidate um, no matter what you say. 
So that's another way of looking at it. But either way you look at it, there's going to be the necessity in the next five years, five to seven years to become a different type of dentist. You have to be a much, if, if you want to remain entrepreneurial, you're going to have to, you're going to have to look at your business and your practice in a different way. That's, do you, that's do you think this consolidation or this rapid increase in consolidation is predicated on fear, Mark? Because it's not, it, in my opinion, it's not on the money, right? Because if you really break down the offers that you're given, you, ha you had like Craig and I have a friend, yeah. you had the money all along. You had the money all right, along, but Peter, just built I want, in your equity. I want to interrupt you because it takes a sophisticated financial analyst and you being one and Mark being one to understand that the money that you're being offered is not, that deal is not as great. You're actually most likely being paid with your own money. So mm -hmm. when you get the offer waved around that your practice is worth, you know, eight times or seven times your EBITDA and you, and you have, you don't really understand it properly. You don't really, I think the average dentist does not realize that they're, they're buying you with their, your own money. So Mark, what do you think it is? What do you think this, do you think it's is fear it financial or fear? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's fear of missing out for sure. I mm -hmm. think that when you do say, Hey, I can get you a seven on your million dollar EBITDA practice, which is $7 million. Um, and if you take your 20% capital gains off of there, I'm still going to be left with this. If Mark is right, because I heard him on the podcast that we're going to be 70% consolidated in the next seven years, I'm going to miss the boat unless I do this now, because yeah. these multiples will never be higher. And I like a musical although, chairs thing, meaning like the yeah. music's going to stop and I'm going to be left with my whatever in my hand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so I, have the these, fear. I have these conversations yeah. all the time. These are probably the main conversations that I'm having right now, because like you guys, I'm dealing with, um, you know, lots and lots of people that have extremely sophisticated practices that are very profitable. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're calling me up and saying, Hey, is it time? Is it time? I got offered a, a 10 Mark. What do I do? And to me, that's generally generational money, but I'm 38 years old. What am I going to do after this? Yeah. I don't have a plan for this lump sum of cash when it comes in. I don't, I'm not lined up with, you know, 16 different alternative investments that are going to get me 12% a year. So what do I do with this right now? It feels as though staying and, and uh, slogging it out for the next 10 years seems like a better alternative than taking the money off the table. I'm just posing this as a, like a common scenario that I hear over and over again. And Damn. I don't necessarily have a, a, a cookie cutter answer because it's different for every person. Like if, if I knew somebody that had five or six, a, a really, really good advisor had five or six different options, different buckets. So they can, so they could diversify this lump sum of 10 million plus dollars post tax. And they can assure themselves that they can safely average about 8%. I would feel good about, about saying, Hey man, it sounds well, like it depends on the burn rate though, bro. I mean, yeah, someone that's, exactly. so yeah. if someone that spends a hundred grand a year and someone that spends, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, one of the reasons why most dentists can't retire at the age of 65 is we, we make more each year, but we spend more. We're very poor savers. So, um, that it's, it's very nuanced and also your happiness. I know a lot of, I have a lot of affluent friends who have sold their businesses and it, it, life post sale is not as purposeful. I think the magic is when you realize and you've done, you know, good financial planning and you have a good net worth analysis and you realize like, oh shit, I could give this up and I'm working because it's fun. That's when life becomes magical. Like when it's like when you work because you believe you you want to and you don't have to. 
If you can get to that point, that's where I think it's cool. Craig and I are kind of, if you can't tell by the the tone of our talk, we've kind of, uh, we are really more on the path of, of keeping your practice, amplifying Mm -hmm. your practice, um, amplifying your cash flow, increasing your profitability, because once you do sell, like we've been saying, and, and we've gone, Craig and I personally have gone through this process multiple times with a big ass number that's been dangled in front of you. And you're thinking, holy shit, that's everything. But then when you break it down, you're like, wait a second, I'm going to get a lump check. I'm going to pay some taxes. I'm going to be out of dentistry or be an employee. And now I'm going to have to take this lump sum of money and I'm going to have to get yield on that money like I did when I had it in my practice, that equity in my practice creating yield for me, right? I'm, so and the tax now efficiency I'm, be, and now blah, I'm blah. not going to be in control of that of that lump sum of money that's getting yield because I'm putting it in Facebook or Microsoft or alternate investments. And I potentially could blow that life savings when in actuality, I knew how to do dentistry. I knew how to run the business of dentistry. Well, you and- you learned it. I, there were points in my life where I hated my business and I wanted to sell it. I'm not saying me specifically. But I want to speak to the people that don't like their businesses right now. They right, hate them but, and they want to sell it. You can here, fix it. But here's why dentistry is the best profession in the world is that we have the freedom of the direction of the practice we want to take in. If we want more time, right? You don't have to work six days a week to get to $1.5 million of EBITDA. Slow down, go to three days a week and get a million dollars of EBITDA. So you have freedom. Of you time. can maximize for anything. You want a freedom, if, you want a, if you want freedom for building net worth, then fine, go grab a bunch of real estate, get multiple locations. You can optimize for impact. You can do whatever you want. But once you sell the golden goose and you sell the confine of of that tax advantage situation of the golden goose, you are in a completely different paradigm. Yep. I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying. I'm not disagreeing. In most cases, I think that it is probably wise to hold on to your practices. I don't know if you guys knew this about me, but I just unloaded my last four practices about six weeks ago, and I'm 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 out of clinical dentistry at this point. Um, and oh, I'm glad I know that. I'm glad I made the decision. Um, but there there's certain things that that I miss about it already. I miss I miss my team a lot. I miss the the actual pace of the day. Um, I miss uh, my favorite patients. I miss doing clinical dentistry on a regular basis. I still have my hands in lots of different things like mission projects where I'm getting my hands wet there. And I'm, um, I'm co-owner of Colorado Surgical Institute where we're doing all in X and implant training. So I'm working on patients there. So I, I have a lot of other things going on, but in my particular situation, the way, the reason that it was better for me to let those practices go, and I'm not everybody, but the reason it was better for me was because I already did have, I had reached my freedom number about five years ago. So I never, I ne- I didn't have the pressure of needing the practices to support my lifestyle. That's one thing. The second thing is because of the nature of uh, where I chose to create my group of practices. And this was the last four of 16 practices that I owned more of a remote area um, and a high volume model, right? So it was difficult for me to get really, really good associates where I live. Even that's, that's even with a megaphone and being able to recruit from all over the world, really still had a difficult time getting really high quality associates. And that became, you know, a revolving door that was just stressful for the last yeah. five or six years. And then not, not to mention that the changes in the workforce dynamic where, you know, um, hygiene is, you know, in, in a, in a remote area, not just in metropolitan areas like San Francisco and Dallas, but in a, in a, in a very, very limited uh, workforce pool were really, really leveraging their, 
the the supply and the supply and demand dynamics in my particular area. So those are things that I I was willing to continue to 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 fight through all of that stuff. But to me, it was like okay, in this particular stage of my career, met my freedom number. I have all of these challenges every single day. It's absorbing the vast majority of my life, and I have six other businesses to run. There you so go. So for me, it yeah, perfect sense. That's the key. The context uh, for your situation is is quite different than ninety percent of people. Yeah, most right? people, it's ninety per, ninety five or plus percentage of their net worth or their income comes from their practices. And and I I just want to say they don't have that, a purpose for the next leg up of what they're going to do post correct. sale, Mark. Correct. Also, too, they, they don't they like coming back full circle to the beginning of our conversation. They're in a bad spot business wise. They're pressured. They're just feeling physically and mentally burnt out, like you spoke to. And they don't realize that the lever to pull is to go to the DSI or Bulletproof or improve those systems. Peter and I will be speaking at the AACD. And I'm really proud of the ACD for having even some business courses, because if you think about these clinical powerhouses, they really focus on just, just learn your clinical mastery. And then like the field of dreams shit will just work out. And the fact that they're yeah. open to having us there and, and Peter's going to, Peter gave me this like monologue for the intro is like, this is going to be pound for pound, the greatest lever that moves dollars into your bottom line. And if you ask most dentists, what's stressing them out, a lot of it's financial pressure. So don't make mm -hmm. a macro movement. You might just need a micro movement. Like the same way your successes and failures lie in micro microns, you might need a micro pivot. It might just be go to DSI or Bulletproof or some other qualified coaching program that can actually help you fix your business because people only sell businesses they hate. And there's, as a person who's been in business for 24 years, there are many decades, there's decades of my life where I freaking hated my business. I just get through the day. And when I built it correctly and changed it to work for me as a true business owner, now I love it. Now you give me a 15 multiple and I'm not selling it. I'm saying that publicly, honestly, a 15 multiple, mm -hmm. I would not sell my practice today. That's where I'm at today. But like a seven, 10, 15 years ago, call, call, you know, yeah. ring the bell. Where do I sign? Right. Yeah. 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 That's amazing, dude. And that, that, that's a huge accomplishment to be able to say that about your business and to be that um, resolute about you know, your, your love for what you've created. Uh, that is what we would say, eating your own cooking. So it's like, okay, so if I, if, if you're trying to sell that, creating this business that, that basically um, is, is very, very profitable and you enjoy being inside of it. If you say that it's possible to create that coming from where you came, I would say that is the right decision, you know, seven days a week, but that's not the case for everybody. Um, sure. But you know, sure. I agree with you also in that if it's not you guys or if it's not us, you got to get in front of some people that have actually walked the walk. Um, there's no logical reason to make the same mistakes that somebody else is willing to help you navigate through. That, so, and so many times, Mark, and I know you yeah. have to go. I know you have to go, but so many times I see people make these draconians. I bought myself another 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Did you really? Wow. <laughs> I did. You, you blew off Oprah. You told her. I did. I did. She's all hey, right. Oprah. She'll wait for me. Okay. I appreciate that. But Mark, you may see this and I see you, Dennis makes, I seem like Dennis's profession. We make these stressed out draconian moves of, oh my gosh, I'm burnt out. Sell the practice. Oh my gosh, I'm burnt out. Right. It's as, as opposed to like Craig is saying, these little micro movements. And I encourage people, if they're making big decisions, sit on your hands for a few weeks or take that vacation that you think you're going to go do Go do it for a month because you you dream about the day when you can go sit in the beach chair with the Corona bottle. Go do it for a month, right? Don't sell your practice. Just, just go beta test that for a month and see how you feel at the end. I assure you, 
you'll be ready to get back to work. Yeah, you feel differently. Not a week vacation, not two weeks, but like take three, it, the, the wheels won't fall off of everything. If you're really considering a draconian move, a massive move of your life, you can owe it to your, yourself and your bottom line. You're, and, and by the way, if you wind up selling, you could tell the companies that are there to normalize your adjusted EBITDA. I took one month off. You can see over the last five years, I've never done that before. Have another doc coming. If you're really facing burnout, that might not be a bad idea because for a guy who's taken off multiple month of vacations, you feel like, at least for me at week three, I'm like, what the hell am I doing in my life? My wife thinks I'm her assistant at that point. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather like work on patients for at least to get called doctor versus like, hey, Craig, since you're not working today, could you blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh my God. Like, right. you know, I'm like the nanny now. Happened? What just what happened? Just ha yeah, what just happened um, here? I'll add to that, uh, that one of the main levers that I utilized when when I faced bur burnout, which probably happened a half dozen times in my 21 year clinical career, yeah. was I would I would schedule a I would schedule a mission trip. So mission trips to me were the the I mean, that was the fastest accelerant to getting me outside of burnout because it it reminded you of the 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 awesome awesomeness we have in our in our skill set and what we are able to do for human beings outside of money so that that is the the number one thing and i will so I'm well take said. this opportunity really if good. you guys are um uh, replaying this uh, on your podcast we will um i would love to just give a little shout out to our brand new foundation that we just started in january it's called smile outreach international um we're having our first big fundraising event which is the saturday after um, our summit on June 17th, but that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that this foundation is my next chapter. So this is one of the main reasons why I felt comfortable selling my dental practices, because I'm going to put all of my energy into this. Yes. Our, our vision is to have fixed clinics in the third world. We want to have half dozen of them about Dominican Republic, um, uh, some probably two in Africa, Southeast Asia, Mexico, um, maybe Samoa, maybe Tonga. Those are some areas that we are, we are investigating awesome. right now. I want to put fixed clinics in there and utilize the megaphone to rotate people through there and really just help those. We want to be a part of that. That buddy. gave me chills, but I, 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 I'm proud to be your friend. That's incredible, Mark. That's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for well, you, we, I want to be a, we, I think Thank we can you. speak, I can speak on behalf of Peter. We want to be a part of that. 100%. Just, out of, just out of curiosity, would you be willing or able to incorporate a four profit learning in some of those third world countries? Cause I know that there's been really great implant type lectures and in, in DR and stuff like, cause I know there were in the past, there's been really great uh, abilities to, to provide implant therapy in third world countries for people. And it's out of our, you know, cut national oh, licensure. Like training, like yeah. So facility. if you could, you could have like, obviously the emergent care, like in the DR, but if you'd be open or willing to have like a for-profit implant uh, therapy type thing, cause that would be very valuable. For a lot of yeah, um, I think dentists. That, I think the DR is the natural spot for that. What I don't want to do is muddy the waters and for anybody mm -hmm. ever to be able to say that you're doing this for some sort of financial yeah, gain. I had a I had a non for profit too. That was my biggest thing with that. Uh, I yeah, yeah I down. would agree with that, Mark. I think it I can, agree you, smart. you can start confusing capitalism with altruism, right? I mean, it's and um, if there's like one percent capitalism, then the whole thing is tainted. It's yep. it's true. You're yeah. that's very wise of you. I yeah. felt the same so thing. It, I mean, think about the the leverage and the influence that that you guys have, right? Um, you guys have what three hundred plus podcasts out there, uh, floating around in the world. You speak to thousands of people all over the world every single day, or every time one of your one of your episodes come out. 
you know, I feel the same kind of, um, the same responsibility to do something in a positive way for that, not just for my own financial, you know, enhancement. So this is just the next natural thing that I think, um, anybody that has a responsible, everybody that has an audience has a responsibility to do. So I love I'm it. Really I really want to get behind this, but I love this. I think, it's, yeah. I, think we, it's I would love to be, I would love to be doing jungle dentistry with you guys at some point. That would be, can you imagine that? <laughs> like I'm ready. A dream for me. Yeah. yeah. I'd love that too. That'd be jungle amazing. Dentistry. Sounds yeah. fun. Um, so stay tuned. Smile Outreach International. Um, I'll keep you guys posted if you, if you're honestly uh, interested in, in participating 100%. in some way. Who are you, you uh, who are you having, what big timer are you having come speak at your summit? You know, you had my wife's uh, cousin uh, once upon a time, Peyton Manning. That's my wife's cousin. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome. Second cousin. He's, you know, yeah, he's cool. We're trying something. We're, he was, he was, a, he was the best guest we've ever had. I think. Really? We're, uh, we're That's something good. different. We're yeah. doing something different this year. We're, oh, it's a surprise. Uh, no, no, the, 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 we're doing something our, different. Our, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a surprise at all. Um, we are highlighting our black belt coaches. So we have 16 oh, amazing, black awesome. coaches. all of them started off as, as white belts and they're all black belts now. And they coach the, they do the vast majority of the coaching in our group. So they are going to be collectively the, the, but typically the you have had a head, like a big, a big name headliner, right? Like in the past, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. Just making sure I wasn't dreaming this. Okay. Yeah, James Hinchcliffe, our uh, the indie race car driver slash Dancing with the Stars guy was was last year. He was a huge hit. Really? Um, we had we had David Goggins until that. Yeah. Oh, that's happened. awesome. Scares yeah. me. But uh, but yeah, we've had we've had some some big names, but we're we're going. You're a like a dental direction. David Goggins to me. <laughs> you should do like well, some. No, uh, Mark video. just has the biggest biceps in dentistry. I know, that's but I could just picture him running through the hills where he lives in those mountainous areas. Like, stay yeah. hard. Where Mark is it? Where is, the hard. Mark, is it? where is it? Is it in um, your backyard again? Kind of thing is, is, um, no, sorry. see, uh, another, another thing that we're changing this year, we wanted to make it easy because our, our um, three-year contract ran out with the JW Marriott in Scottsdale. Mm. So uh, we took the opportunity to move venues and we're, it's going to be in San Antonio that the La Quintera resort, um, amazing, amazing venue, but we can only fit 650 people in there. Last year we had almost 750 people. So this year we're limited in size, um, but it's halfway, you know, for people on the East coast to yeah. get there versus people from the West coast. Midway. So, yeah. Um, and it's a gorgeous resort. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite resorts in North America. It's just, really? and you, who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? like San Antonio, San Antonio, right? You guys are beautiful places, but yeah, yeah, Peter. Me, Peter Craig made is. a step up this year. Peter. Uh, Peter said we're going to the win in Vegas. I was like, uh, oh, gulp. really? Yeah. So we're uh, <laughs> August 11th and 12th at the win. So um, yeah, we make we make our our conferences not for profit, Mark. We just go to yeah. like these grandiose places and uh, blow. That's our altruism. Bar and, you, guys, yeah. you guys have a nonprofit too. We yes, do. Yes, yeah. Bulletproof is a nonprofit. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. My practice was, and it's what happens when I get involved. I turn that things is my, into altruistic. Uh, that is my 22nd wedding anniversary, August 11th. You want to come? We'll give yeah, you a you suite want, at the, want... at the win. You'll look like a hero. Yeah. Leslie it's Leslie, right? Your wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would love Les to Leslie come. would love to come. And, and, uh, say... and I, I'm extending an invitation to both of you guys too. If you're available. What's the date 16th. again? I'm sorry. June. June 16th and 17th. Okay. Got it. Cool. I'll do that. What's the, um... I will say, I check this out. Here's here. This is not a flex. This is, this is a shout out to the La Quintero resort. So, um, 
they have separate casitas for the people that are hosting events. So they have like 11 casitas, like you have to take a golf cart and all this stuff to get to the main resort. And so they gave me, cause this is a larger event. They gave me like the Mac daddy casita and they're like, Oh, we call this the LeBron James suite. Cause every time he plays against the San Antonio Spurs, he, re- he requests this particular suite. And I'm like, well, cool. It's good to know. They have like two outdoor showers on that particular suite. And it's okay, like, Peter and I stay bed. with you and your wife there. Is that okay? I mean, yes, it sounds fairly yes, large. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do jungle dentistry together, we might as well get familiar, you know, and spend <laughs> time in your 5,500 square foot suite. LeBron James suite. I don't know. Yeah, I well, LeBron James. Get up stoked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. See what hey guys, don't touch the walls. Don't touch, don't the, touch walls. the walls. <laughs> bring your own. Right. What's wrong? What, what what reference am I missing here? It could be like a Wilt Chamberlain. You know, like oh, Wilt Chamberlain yeah, yeah, has yeah, a modern yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Could, LeBron could might be. be the modern day Wilt Chamberlain. Covered with DNA. Yeah. Oh, so, there you go. Well, well Mark, it was awesome. What's the uh, what's the website for the registration? Just I'm actually asking for my own edification on. Uh, oh yeah, sure. Uh, truedentalsuccess.com and you can click on the events tab uh, but don't do it that way if you guys want to come just just uh, text me and I'll make you sure that you have yeah that'd be awesome but I want to go I do experience. too I do too would love 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 to have you guys that would be a um, pleasure what, what was and that come to name? ours that'll be fun for your wife seriously oh. we'll get the suite hey, of the wind is uh that's a that's an epic uh wedding anniversary gift there I would freaking love it I would love to be at the win in in August um Okay, so I'll check my schedule. You guys check your schedules. You and then also the, the most important thing would be the Saturday night on the 17th of June. We're actually, we usually have a white party or some kind of like fun festive party to, to celebrate the end of the summit. This year, it's it's a black tie gala and all the proceeds from the gala. We have a bunch of live auction gifts and and stuff like that. All the proceeds of that gala will go to Smile Outreach International, nice. like a hundred percent. Oh, I got an idea. So we that we could like, offer like a mastermind ticket for us to uh, to go into your gala, to that'd be oh, neat or something like that. Big ticket that'd item. Be amazing. What a great way to, to for us that to be able cool, to collaborate. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, we'll let you bounce. I know you got to go, and it was always good connecting, buddy. And um, yeah, can't wait to see you in person next. I really appreciate you guys. All you do for the profession. Um, Likewise, brother. It's 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 great. I mean, I don't know. I think it says something about um, us <laughs> uh, that we're able to have this great friendship and not feel like threatened by one another. You guys have a mastermind. I have a mastermind. You guys have a summit. I have a summit. I will promote you guys. You guys promote me. Isn't that um, cool? You know, it, cool. it it's amazing. And you guys have been nothing but awesome friends throughout the years. And I just I'm so glad to to know oh. you. I mean, yeah, yes. thank you so much. It's awesome. Listen, uh, my only hope is that there's more people out there like what you're doing and what we're trying to do to to help the profession. We need it. And there's a lot of predatory forces that are coming into brand new people. I've seen Instagram. They're like, where'd that guy show up from or that gal? And they're not, yeah. they don't, they're not even related to the profession. So um, more power to the people that have the ground game that have actually done it. That's, that's my hope. So we wish you nothing but success. You're, you're Likewise, you're great for the profession and a great friend, and we appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk All to right, you man. soon, man. See you, pal. Take care. Later, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.